0: On today's episode, we welcome poet Ray Hendricks, author of Every Journal is a Plague Journal from Bottle Cap Press.
1: Welcome to episode 46 of The Chapbook. I'm your co host, Noah Stutzer.
0: And I'm Ross White. Noah and I are the directors and editors at Bull City Press. We publish chapbooks. We love chapbooks.
1: We totally love chapbooks. And that's why we started this podcast to celebrate that love. Not only that, but to go behind the scenes of the publishing process and to also highlight the folks who write chapbooks and the folks who make chapbooks.
0: Hi, Ross. Hi, Noah. We haven't seen each other in what feels like A million years.
1: I know it's really scary. It's only been like a couple of days, but we're usually a little more in contact with one another. We're usually
0: joined at the hip on the internet.
1: (laughs) So it's great to see you again and really exciting to be able to sort of do it like this way, you know, with like going on to a podcast episode and getting to talk to an interesting and exciting poet. I'm I'm really glad to, to see you again.
0: I am too. I would like to take this chance to complain about the real world. I don't want to be there anymore. I would like to continue to live my entire life on the internet. <laughs> it was way more comfortable.
1: Yeah, I do enjoy. I'll actually go even a step further that not just on the internet, but here in these sort of online podcast recording studios are some of like my my most like lovely and cherished opportunities to sort of like listen to these really interesting writers talk about writing and poetry and flash, you know, that whole thing. It's just it's it's Soul, it's like soul food.
0: You know what? It it really is wonderful. And in your case, you get to do it weekly with your dumbest friend. So <laughs> it's, you know, that's just great. But you know, speaking of of a life on the internet, every so often the internet gifts you it gifts you a friend. And today's guest is somebody we had not met face to face until we got into this little video room. Ray Hendrix is here. Noah, do you want to bio them up?
1: Ray Hendrix is a writer from Birmingham, Alabama. She is the poetry editor at Press Pause Press and the author of two poetry chat books, Fire Sermons from Ghost City and Every Journal is a Plague Journal from Bottle Cap Press. Their work has also appeared in such journals as Poet Lore, the adroit journal Poetry Northwest, among others. Ray is the winner of the Keen Prize for Literature and Southern Indiana Review's Patricia Akas Award. And she has received scholarships from Breadliff and the Juniper Summer Writing Institute. As always, Go to our show notes for a full biography and links to items that come up in today's show. Welcome to the chat book, Ray Hendricks.
2: Hi. Hey. How are y'all?
0: We're good. <laughs> Ray, it's it's such a delight to to finally get to a chance to hang out and talk with you a little bit. We're we're obviously we're coming out of a couple of really difficult years, and for a poet who thinks and writes about the body and mind a great deal. This has been a period where I think everyone's concern has sort of caught up with the concern of your work, and your newest chapbook, Every Journal is a Plague Journal, is one that's very much a product of that time. So having the chance to, to talk to you a little bit about that collection today is a real delight. So I thought maybe we would, we would start with this. For the reader who hasn't encountered the book yet and is going to, when they follow the link in the show notes and buy a copy from Bottle Cap. Tell us a little bit about the book and its genesis.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, you're you're definitely right that it came from the pandemic. But it was a little bit more than that for me because it was also sort of my navigation of in 2020, I got my first official DSM-5 official diagnosis of having OCD um, that manifests primarily as hypochondria, but also in other more, you know, what we think of as like typical OCD ways. So most of these poems were actually, they came out of my therapist being like, you need to like stop being such a fucking Capricorn and just like have your feelings and talk about them. And I was like, right, fine. I don't know how to do that. And she was like, well, write about it. And so I was like, okay, fine. And so these started, these poems started sort of from that space of journaling through OCD, especially that first really long one, The Intruder. That was the first consciously OCD poem, if you can call it a poem, that I ever wrote. And then once I started looking back, when I was trying to like put together a chapbook, when I realized, like, oh, I have enough stuff here to do that, then I realized I'd been writing OCD poems for a long time and just hadn't, hadn't realized it. And then, uh, yeah, it was, it was my first summer on the West Coast. I'm from Alabama originally, so I, I was very far from home, far from my family. And I was feeling like just just totally isolated from everyone and everything and even isolated from myself because, because of this new OCD diagnosis, which I fought against for a really long time. I'm in disability studies, but there's this internalized ableism that comes out sometimes where you're like, I study everyone else. I don't study myself, you know? So me and my therapist talked about that and they were just like, you should just write this shit down. And I was like, okay. Again, didn't realize I was writing a chat book until much, much later, probably in December 2020. And then sort of pulling out pieces from my journal and sticking them into poems. And that's sort of how that happened.
0: Well, you've been really, you've been very vocal on Twitter about disability studies and poetics. Yeah. And that's part of how we've interfaced some of the things that you have said have been have come for me at a crucial time as I'm learning to live with chronic illness. How do you see some of the formal academic study taking shape in the creative work? How has the academic study fed the creative work?
2: Oh, that is a really good question. <laughs> Potentially like a tangent a little bit. I'm actually with my my best friend back east is also a disability studies scholar. And we're writing a paper together that's going to come out like an academic paper about this kind of like Who's really disabled now, and like, do who, what do, what do we mean by that? when it comes to things like how we engage with the world, what the world looks like, and looking at these best practices sort of things? and we we didn't start that before I wrote the chat book or the the poems that would become the chat book, but we were writing that at the same time. And a lot of what we were talking about is this idea of visibility in disability communities. And I think that that's probably the most like, quote unquote disability studies, like academic idea that comes into these poems is this idea of like, well, you can be disabled, but nobody can know it. Like you can be disabled and not recognize it in yourself, even. It's about like this perception of what happens with disability and like how disability becomes known both externally in your community and in the body and in your mind. And uh yeah, no, so this this idea of like visibility or invisibility, imperceptibility, I don't really have like great language for it. I think the disability studies academia space also doesn't have great language for it because to talk about visibility necessarily excludes people with like visual disabilities. So like is it imperceptible? I don't know. But that that kind of like tension between what can be known versus unknown is what I think the the more academic like impulses in this collection.
1: I think what you're saying is so interesting As we go back to something you mentioned at the top of this interview, which was the intruder piece, because I think that seems to be, if you'll allow this, sort of like, you know, in a test where they ask you to answer a question and to show your work, it's like (laughs) you're showing the work of sort of coming to grips with or wrestling with this idea of, you know, seeing the disability within the self or sort of outside of the self or somehow coming, you know, like arriving, right? Mm. I would really love to hear you talk a little bit more about this particular piece, The Intruder, if you don't mind. No, not
2: at all.
1: It is a centerpiece kind of poem. And it really just sort of like blows the doors off.
0: Oh, yeah. First poem in the book, too. It makes a statement.
1: (laughs) And so I wonder for folks who haven't read it yet, if you could talk a little bit about sort of the genesis of it and sort of how it informs the rest of the collection.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And thank you. That's a, that's a great question. This poem was the first, well, it's the first one that I consciously wrote also. I think I said that earlier, but I wrote this poem before I started even the journaling process when my therapist was like, you have to write. And I was like, well, I can't write about this thing. It's in me. And she goes, well, take it out of you. Start addressing it like it's a person. And this poem, I don't know how many words it ended up, but it started off at like 7,000 words. And I was like, this isn't a, I need to chill. I'm a big lit nerd. I've been obsessed with The Metamorphosis by Kafka forever. And so I just kept returning to this idea. And it's like this sort of little epigraph, I guess, to the poem, um, but also an epigraph to the book. It's a, a quote from The Metamorphosis where he says, I cannot make you understand. I cannot make anyone understand what is happening inside me. I cannot even explain it to myself. And I kept returning to that over and over and over. It's a line that in my copy of The Metamorphosis is just underlined almost to the point that it's breaking through to the next page. And I was like, so why can't OCD be my Gregor, my weird bug thing in the bed that I have to like confront every day and talk to? And so I tried to just separate myself from my OCD and like put a face to it and put a name to it. And that weirdly gave me some kind of power over it. So it's both like therapeutic, but then with, within the poem itself, even though I think in the poem, the, the speaker in the poem ends up kind of still being attached to this thing in a way. And I think that's probably true of myself also, honestly, like there's, there is a power in naming, but that doesn't necessarily take away the thing that you name's power also. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of how this was, how it came about is just me trying to be like, I don't want this. I don't like this. But I need to learn to live with it in a way that's, that's you know, not going to um, ruin my life. I need to like, come to terms with this. And that's some of the internalized ableism that I was trying to work through. That's Gregor in this poem is my little, my little bug man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it does a wonderful job of sort of illustrating how a person's relationship with their disability, if you will, changes. It, 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 there isn't sort of a place you come to and stay. You know, each day the relationship changes and, you know, there are good days and there are bad days. I don't mean to sound like a cliche, but they're a cliche for a reason, right? They, it just, yeah. It's just, just this wonderful job of taking the reader through the whole relationship, the sort of push and pull of of the speaker with Gregor as with what Gregor is representing in the poem and and as well as other people in the speaker's life it's it's remarkable
2: thank you thank, i really appreciate that and if i can touch on something you said um too just saying like disability if you will well yeah i do and a lot of this poem and this book is just me trying to like figure out how to claim that word for myself because ocd is one of those imperceptible things until the moment when like it is perceptible right like someone sees me like flipping the light switch like seven times or something because i do still have those other compulsions it's just that most of them tend to be more health-based and medical-based but but this idea of your relationship to disability changing every single day that's actually how i came to this moment of like being able to say like okay i am disabled i have disabilities and I think a lot of that is because I'm also queer. And like, that's what queerness is like in a sense. It's like you come out yeah. every single day, it's a constant yeah. process. And yeah. so I don't know if it really shows through in this collection very much because it's not like super overtly queer. I, well, I mean, I think if a queer person writes queer poems, they're always queer poems, or right. writes poems, they're <laughs> always queer poems. But there was this like how my queerness helped me understand my disability. And that's kind of the, the lens that I viewed disability through in this collection is like this sort of coming out every day. Like you're saying this sort of reifying, like, okay, what's it going to be today? Who am I going to have to tell today? Like, Right. Right.
1: Yeah. yeah. And is it, is it easy today? Is it hard today? Do I want to do it today? Do I not want to do it today? Do I have a choice? Yeah,
2: exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Well, that's towards the end of the poem too. I'm like, sometimes I get to leave Gregor at home. Sometimes I can go about my life. Yeah. But then those days are often the worst days because I come home and then I'm like, Shit, what did I do? Like, I touched a lot of things today. And it felt good in the moment, but then it's like, hmm, can't do it now. Gotta, gotta clean everything. Gotta wash away my mistakes. <laughs>
0: Ray, I wonder if we could get you to read a poem.
2: So uh, this one's for you, Noah. <laughs> On the 40th day of plague, I think of Noah. I never remember how the story ends. The rain eventually lets up. That much is obvious. The floodwaters one day recede. What I can remember is the darkness of the ark, the wet heat of breathing animals, two of each, the smell of rotting hay and shit, inevitable mold, rain that covered mountains, rain that swallowed the sea, the decimation of a sex life, Nama too afraid to fuck her husband, all the clinics closed beneath 10,000 miles of ocean, all of the birth control and condoms, while essential, difficult to get to, 10,000 miles beneath her feet. What Noah saw beyond the window, like my second floor apartment, only the very tops of trees lucky enough to grow inside the courtyard. I mean, lucky enough to live on peaks just barely covered by a newborn sea. The birds that nest there. Noah and I obsessed with Googling their species. Red-breasted nuthatch, purple marten, And giving them names like Josephine and Steve. All this I remember, but not if Nama knew how long she'd go without loving her lover, if the flooding stopped at 40 days, or if that's just when they lost count, or when the rain started to fall at the beginning, if Noah, once he sealed the door, sat down in the deep hole of darkness and wept. Wonderful. Thank
1: you. Just beautiful. Thank you. I just love it. The tactic in the poem to start the poem about uh, talking about the end and then to finish the poem starting about beginning is just beautiful
2: oh thank you i, I appreciate it thank
0: you i can hear your dog sugar in praise of the poem <laughs> she, back loves there. <laughs> no, she loves it so much uh,
2: I'll, I'll, pull out my, I'll pull out my southern thanks sugar <laughs> you know.
1: All right, Ray, we're going to switch over to the quick round now. We've got five quick questions to give listeners just a little more insight into who you are and the kinds of things you think about as you go about writing. Question number one, when you're at a bookstore and you pick up a book, what do you notice first about it?
2: The color, weirdly. I love a dark a dark cover, like a black or like a brown earth tone. I love, I love a, a book that makes me think of groundedness. I'm an earth sign, like I said, Capricorn have
0: you ever had that temptation to rearrange your bookshelf by color rather than by author
2: <laughs> i've never gone that far but i do i do keep my books like kind of aesthetically grouped together a little bit but i, I actually don't like it when like all the things together look the same so i have to like meticulously space out the colors instead of like having like all the red ones go here or like I have to I have to make sure it's a blend like a little rainbow
0: lovely question number two who is an author you return to again and again
2: it's gonna maybe sound basic but Frank O'Hara I mm. I think that his poems were the ones that initially blew open poetry for me so it's just always a return there
1: it's always good to hear Frank O'Hara's name <laughs> uh, Question number three, what's a piece of writing advice that you discovered for yourself that you're, you'd like to share with our listeners?
2: Ooh, put the thing in that you think doesn't belong. That's mostly how Plague Journal came about, is like me thinking, like, I sh- I'm not allowed to write about this. Like, Yes, I am. I can put OCD in my poems. I can put Noah in my poems.
0: He loves it. Look at it. He's over there beaming for the chance to be in your poem. Oh, different. Put me note. in all of your poems. Listeners. <laughs> we're going to start getting uh, fan poems in where It's like fan fiction, only it's Noah doing things in people's poems. Yes.
2: Please tag me in it.
0: We, should, we will. We will tag you. Question number four. What is an indie bookstore that you think every one of our listeners should check out?
2: I'm going to shout out two because I live on two different coasts, really, or my heart has two different coasts. First one is where I am now. The one that's got me through the pandemic is Tsunami Books in Eugene, Oregon. The other one is my favorite little hometown bookstore, Thank You Books in Birmingham, Alabama.
1: And question number five, how do listeners find you online?
2: I'm on Instagram and Twitter under the same name. It's at underscore Ray Hendricks. And then I have a website that is also just my name, rayhendricks.com.
1: That's awesome. Listeners, we've been talking today with Ray Hendricks, author of Every Journal is a Plague Journal from Bottlecap Press. Check out today's show notes to find links to items that came up during our conversation and stay up to date with us by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Press, or visit BullCityPress.com. You can find me semi-sort of on Twitter. I'm at
0: DCNoah. You can find me at Ross White. And if you want to send us an email, go ahead and do it. We're at chapbook at BullCityPress.com. This episode of The Chatbook was produced by Noah Stetzer and edited by Molly Hart. Ray, thanks so much for being with us today.
2: Thanks for having me, y'all. It was
1: fun. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Be sure to join us next time.